and welcome back to another episode of Ladies First. Elizabeth's back. Hi. Yay. That's about as cheery as we're going to get today because we're talking about the discourse again. <laughs> Yay, the discourse. Which, it's a little bit old, but it's something that we still wanted to talk about. Um, so, remember that say... whole Batwoman casting controversy and backlash and yeah we're gonna dig that back up <laughs> it wasn't i would say old it was like a week and a half ago Corey. well two weeks ago but yeah, in, two weeks okay ago. in our current news cycle it's ancient history that's true yes no so but we're it digging is, it back up but it is important and the reason why we're bringing it up and why we devoted an episode to it is because I feel like this is actually a pretty good case study for everything that's gone wrong with lesbian fandom and I don't necessarily like to talk about this so directly um, because the particular section of the lesbian fandom I'm talking about they're a lot like 4chan in that they like to do things like dox people and harass them off Twitter but it's sort of getting to the point where it would be irresponsible not to say something. Mm -hmm. Especially since I haven't seen a lot of people talking out against this beyond just necessarily Twitter threads. Not a lot of people are really thinking about this or... I don't know. I feel like it's not being viewed as the, like, epidemic that it's become. Right. Because I know that there's always this attitude that, oh, well, lesbian fandom has always been crazy. Which, rude. But also, true. Well, okay. We've been very enthusiastic I don't know that I would go necessarily quote unquote crazy but we are very <clears> enthusiastic <throat> about what we like and we're you know up until five years ago we were still you know diehard loyalists for our actresses I present a counter argument to your proposal that we were not crazy Glee I said up to like five years ago didn't Glee start in 2012 <laughs> Uh, no, Corey, dear. Glee started, like, the year after I graduated Okay, pre-Glee. Let's just go back a little bit for because obviously I got my dates a little bit off. Pre-Glee. <laughs> you could make that argument. Yes. But that's also because we didn't have visibility before Glee. Which, that is actually also a factor in this, but we'll get to that. So sort of the, the larger overview of what I'm doing is I'm going to take the Batwoman casting and I'm going to take all of the different elements of it and and sort of talk about how this is uh, demonstrative of a larger phenomenon within fandom. Because I really do feel like we're starting to have our own Gamergate or Comicsgate pro problem, but it's unique from those movements because it's women perpetuating this behavior on other women. Primarily. There are, some, there are some obviously men behind female avatars type trolls going on, because, you know, that's just, that's just what happens for, you know... I keep saying 4chan, but there's a whole variety of sites. But the reason why I say 4chan is because that was the one that I was involved in back in, like, the Wild West internet days of, like, 2007 to 2010. So this is just the one I'm most familiar with. But this behavior is something that goes back really far into internet history. And mm -hmm. I feel like it's just that most people are just sort of getting their first encounter with it. Or rather, it's becoming a big enough problem that most people will even be affected by it. Because raids are not a new thing. This has been a thing... Oh, it's probably predates 4chan, to be completely honest. Raids? But, so let's start with let's start with what actually happened. So, for those of you who don't know, 
the CW was able to get the rights to do Batwoman as one of their DC Extended Universe shows. Or the DC TV Universe. Which is fabulous. Because they're never going to do a Batman TV show. Because they're just the the rights holders will just cling to that for dear life. But they they the CW was able somehow I don't know what deal they had to strike with what demon, but they were able to get the rights to Batwoman, so they're developing it into a full show. Batwoman, the character, will be premiering in the crossover event that happens every year with DC TV, which awesome. will be this December, twenty eighteen. Yes. So like so far, everything sounds fabulous and awesome and great. Now, what is Batwoman known for? She's not just a female Batman, she is a lesbian. In fact, this is usually the only thing that a lot of people will know about the character. In fact, up until I started to become friends with Kylie, it was all I knew about the character, because previously I had had a friend try to get me into comics, and that was how he pitched Batwoman. She's a lesbian. (laughs) He's right, she is. (laughs) She's very gay. Uh, She's also Jewish, which is also kind of novel, and... I will always find it slightly funny that DC accidentally made Batman Jewish because they didn't didn't think about this. But you know, it's whatever. But so these are the two most important. You say the two most important tentpole things. Oh, and also that Kate was in the military, and specifically was kicked out of the military because of "Don't ask, don't tell." She was in so military are- school. Yes, and she was. They flat out asked her, and she refused to lie. No. Which, it's a thing. Like, you know, I think that was revoked in, like, what, 2012? Early 2010s. Yeah. So, you know, like, this is all fairly recent history, but these these things are all these huge tent poles of what this character is. That if you remove these aspects of the character, then the character ceases to be Kate Kane slash Batwoman. So, pretty simple, right? So... It's important that she stays a lesbian in the show, but also, you know, we always like to say we'd like to see queer people get the opportunity to play queer people. Well, the CW puts out their casting announcement that they're looking specifically for a queer woman, 25 to 29, to play this role. Any race. Can I cut in just really quick? Yes. Previously on an episode of Ladies First, um, I had been like, okay, either they get a Jewish actress or, you know, this is garbage. And I said that through the lens of thinking they'll never cast an out woman-loving woman for the role. So I know some people like, but Corey, didn't you say? It's like, well, yes, but I never in a million years dreamed that they'd cast an openly gay person for this. So <laughs> that kind of shifted my goalposts because, you know, that's another avenue of visibility that has never happened on this scale. So I yeah. just want to insert this in here before I get the whatabouts. And really, there is no whatabouts, because I am a Jewish lesbian, and I have to say the more important part of this casting, and I feel like we're going to, to do this character authentically, um, you need to have a queer person play that part. Mm-hmm. Because, well, and also, I mean... Okay, but it gets slightly sidetracked here. The fact that Kate Kane is Jewish does inform a lot of her values and her morals and the way that she approaches issues, and you can tell in the writing that this particular belief system and being raised in that belief system influences her behavior. However, you don't necessarily need to know that this is what influences her belief system as long as the character is written faithfully to the comics. They don't have to have her talking about Judaism all the time. You can just pop a, pop a mezuzah and a, on the, the door array and pop a menorah on, on the, the mantle. And that would be enough. 
in my opinion. Some people do disagree with me. I can't say I agree or disagree because I don't have any authority to comment right there. <laughs> oh, yes. See, that's the th- well, no, see, that's, that's the other thing. That's another small, small issue that I'm having with the way that lesbians and queer women talk to each other. Um, I understand that it's good to stay in your lane, but there are some things where you are allowed to have an opinion, you just aren't allowed to be the primary voice in the conversation. But we'll get to that later. Case in point, though, Elizabeth is the primary voice in this particular conversation. Ergo, I'm letting her talk right now and not being like, oh, but I think... Yes, but the reason why I have Corey here having this conversation instead of another lesbian uh, is... Well, because I value the input of bisexual women, and also I feel like this is part of their representation as well. But just because Kate Kane is a, she's a, you know, what's the thing is, um, uh, all, all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Yeah. It's like that. Like, we're all queer women, but some of us only like women and some of us also like men. But we all have, like... We all have the capacity to understand this aspect of Kate Kane's character. So yes, bisexual women are allowed to have an opinion on this. It's still a big fucking deal for us, too. It is. So, I was kind of excited about this, and I saw a couple of the leaked audition tapes, but like, I don't know, to be honest, the ones that I saw that were leaked seemed pretty generic to me. Um, There was one in particular that, I'm debating whether or not I'm going to say the name of the actress, but... She felt like she was, like, five or six years too young for the part. But there were a couple others that are okay, and, you know, there were a bunch of rumors swirling. A lot of people were putting out, you know, you know, things like, oh, I would love if this person played the part, or I would love if this person would play the part. Most of the people who people, most of the names that people were throwing out were relative unknowns. I think, like, the most famous caliber we were getting was, like, Elise Bauman and Natasha Degavonlis. I would like to comment really quickly, and I think this is something most people don't understand. If you're seeing a leaked audition video for something that has yet to be cast, 99% of the time, that person, if you're seeing their video, you can guarantee they weren't cast. Yeah. Which I think it also compounded to the problem that people didn't understand this, so they seem to think, oh, this person's still in the running. Yeah. No, that that is also also an issue. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, okay, so so rumors were swirling. They finally make the announcement: Ruby Rose is going to be Batwoman. Now, my initial reaction was, um, um, it's okay. I wasn't like over the moon because I just don't. I'm not that familiar with Ruby Rose's work, but. I did see her in Orange is the New Black. I thought she was fine. I don't know why people are so aggressive, aggressively saying she's a bad actress. I think she's okay. I mean, she could hold. I mean, she could probably hold her own in a scene with Kyler Lee and Melissa Benoist. That's all that matters, right? So, but you know, there's a key. The key element of Ruby Rose is a pretty famous queer woman. Like she's specifically famous for that too. Mm-hmm. And she's also not really super feminine presenting. Yeah, she wears makeup and and press photos and stuff, but like. You know, when you when you say soft, because some, I sometimes see people apply like the title "soft butch" to like Kara or Alex. <laughs> no. no, no. Ruby Ruby Rose is the absolute like bleeding edge of soft butch before you start going into femme. But 
you don't really see butch women cast in anything. So this, to me, was incredibly remarkable. Like, the more I thought about it, I was like, this is actually kind of... And she's also uh, she's also genderqueer, isn't she? Yes. Or gender fluid. Yeah. So, like, that's another thing that, like, you know, you just don't see very often, especially in really mainstream things. I mean, the CW is an ABC, but, like, it's still a major network. So I was well, like, wow, there's actually... There's actually a lot a lot of good going for this. Like, yeah, she's got an Australian accent, but, but Katie McGrath can drop her accent all over the floor on Supergirl, so not like that See, should matter. See, that was my one major complaint, was like, no, I don't want that accent coming in, because Elizabeth, Elizabeth knows me, and she knows, like, my growing pet peeve with Lena Luthor is the accent being all over the place, and I'm just like, I don't want this again. But that, I mean, in the large picture, it's small potatoes. Also, like, something that's funny to me is when they adamantly insist that a character must have an American accent in an American TV show, as if people who aren't American don't live here. Or, like, I don't know, and especially, like, okay, so here's here's the easy way to explain away Ruby Rose's accent. If she does do an American accent and it's not that great. Um, I've dated, I've dated a few women who are not from the U.S. or who have distinctly different accents than I have. And that stuff starts to slip into your own vocabulary. So, even just, just say to, she spent some time in Australia as a kid, they were we're good. It could be that, or alternately, she had a long term relationship with someone with an Australian accent, and that would do it. But I just I don't know. I guess I I have different standards for what I consider immersion breaking, and having a wonky accent isn't one of them. And I think it's because I grew up playing Bethesda games. But that's another story. Hopefully someone will appreciate that joke. <laughs> Anyways, um, so the casting announcement came out, and there was a backlash. But it was not the backlash that Elizabeth and I were expecting. So I was fully expecting a whole bunch of fake geek boys to get on the Twitter.com and be like, Boo, they're making a lesbian version of Batman! What is this social justice warrior bullshit? And that is just hilarious to me, because it actually happened, and you're just like... So you've clearly never read a Batwoman comic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, didn't even browse the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Because <laughs> Batwoman's been gay since the early, like, since the mid-2000s? Yes, this version of Batwoman has always been a lesbian, and my favorite is when they keep confusing her with Batgirl. So I'm just like, really? You want to do this, like, comics gatekeeping bullshit, but you don't even know the difference between Batwoman and Batgirl seriously? Sit these down. are the same these are the same fake geek boys who will reblog those images where it's like you know like when someone has like it's like he's my Batman and I'm her bat his Batgirl and then they'll condescendingly be like aren't they're cousins, right? Batgirl? No. Batwoman okay, Kate Kane yes. and Bruce Wayne are cousins. Yes. But like, okay, so it's like a, it's like a cutesy like straight couple macro image. Yeah, no, I think that, is, that's I think that's bad. incest. But Batgirl, yeah. that's the thing. A lot of people confuse Batgirl and Batwoman, and the fake geek boys have obviously confused Batgirl and Batwoman, like to a painful degree. Yes, to a painful degree where they're suddenly like, oh, hey, incest is the name of the day type of thing. So, and of not course, really realize it. <laughs> okay, so here's something Here's something that I think is funny, is that all of these people immediately outed themselves as not having an actual opinion in, for this, because, you know, the fake geek boys. Mm-hmm. And that con- con- the controversy died pretty quickly. What came up instead 
was and okay, so there was a particular there's a particular outlet that released that put out a tweet about the casting. And I understand why they said what they said, but I'm pissed at them because they set the tone for the discourse. As it was a Latinx website that put out, oh, they cast Ruby Rose as Batwoman, way to go with the safest, most boring choice. And I have to tell you, I was so angry, I had to take a walk and leave my phone at home because I was afraid I was gonna, like, put my career as a journalist in jeopardy by snapping back with something because I was so furious that somebody would call a genderqueer lesbian a safe choice. Yeah. So It and went then the downhill dis- from there, if yeah, you can't so the tell. Dis- <laughs> so the discourse just started spiraling out of control from there. Because then there are the people who... Okay, so on one hand, there are the people who have a legitimate point. Yes, it would be very novel, and it would have been really awesome if they cast somebody who wasn't white in this part. You could do something new with that. However, I hate to say it, but if you genuinely expected the CW to do this, I'm sorry, you set yourself up for disappointment. You are allowed to critique this, and it is a completely legitimate critique, and in fact, one that I agree with. However, you have to pay attention to how you come across when you're talking about this. And also, you know, it's kind of offensive to me that just her being queer was not enough especially when we have not already had this step if there had already been okay so say for example kyler lee was a lesbian and then her character alex was a lesbian from the start or um uh black lightning oh my god i'm blanking on the actress's name nefessa williams if nefessa williams was a lesbian is actually a better example Uh, she the actress herself was a lesbian and then she played a lesbian superhero and then they cast Ruby Rose, then you could be like, well, they should have taken a bigger risk because they already had done this before with another character on another show. That would have made sense. The thing is, is that most of the actors who play gay characters are straight, or we know them as straight because they are in the closet. So this is actually a big deal. And, like, I don't know how to explain to people under 25 that you have to care about baby steps. Like, if there is one thing that I had to impart to anybody who is younger than 25, please learn how to take a victory. Well, I mean, I know some of us were talking about this earlier, and I think it kind of goes back to where we are now. We're kind of in this age of instant gratification, Um, To paraphrase what somebody else had said earlier when we were talking about this, if you want a story, you can go out and you can hire somebody to write it for you as fanfic, and boom, you've got it. But that's not how TV works. That's not how movies work. And I think there's this conflation between, you know, what I can go get with my fanfic whenever I want it versus what actually happens in TV and film or even web series. See, and here's the thing, is that there are, like, a minimum of five different groups of people who have to sign off on anything you do on a TV show. And, like, and this is, like, in the, like, barest bones of circumstances. And so it's, your fellow writers have to agree to it, because there has to be some level of consensus within the writer's room. The lead writer is the person who probably gets the final say, depending on how 
diplomatic or democratic the writer's environment is. They are often not. <laughs> the producers get a say because they're the ones who are funding the whole thing and they want to make sure that it's represent representing their values. The network gets a say because the network already has a preset list of things that it will and will not depict in what ways. And you are free to try to push those boundaries, but they will not always say yes. And the advertisers also get a say because advertisers will pull their support from shows that depict things that they don't like. I mm-hmm. feel like people just, like, kind of forgot about that. I, I mean, it's a good thing that, like, companies are now doing the gay pride thing because I love that I can buy rainbow shit all through June. However... This is a very recent development, and it used to be very common for advertisers to threaten to pool support for networks that decided to portray anything they deemed inappropriate. And in, like, and this has been going on for years. Like, I can remember um, reading about the Mary Tyler Moore show, and that they had a pants quota for her, how long she was allowed to wear pants on screen, because it was scandalous. So, like, if you ever need a moment to, to, if you ever just need, like, a moment of perspective, you know, just how far we've come, just look up the ridiculous censorship from, like, the Mary Tyler Moore show, and maybe you will whine a little bit less about the Ruby Rose casting. Sometimes you gotta have, like, a little bit of perspective. Right. And also, like, we talked about this before when we were talking about Xena. You know, that was just in the 90s, and that's subtext city because the networks wouldn't have let them get away with that. Even in the 2000s, in the aughts, like, what you could get away with was extremely limited. And it really wasn't until Glee where you kind of saw that television closet door kind of come open. And the only reason it did is because Ryan Murphy made the show pretty straight to start off, and he got his big fat foot in the door. And then by then, the show was pulling, you know, like, God... What were the, the Nielsen ratings for Glee were like they were very high. Insane. They were absolutely insane. The show was and the show was an iTunes gold mine and that was how he did it because the show was so such a valuable property the network could not possibly tell him no on everything and even then you could count on one hand the number of times Brittany and Santana kiss on screen. So basically what we're saying is Context and history are important in understanding where we are with casting of this. And also, like, this is a big risk for the network to take. Like, it's a huge casting announcement. Um, They got, outside of, I'd say, Barbara Gordon and Dick Grayson, like, the preeminent bat property. And the only reason I say Dick Grayson is because they've been waffling around on a movie for him for forever but he's still, he's not Bat, he's a Nightwing. So yeah. you have an actual Bat property, and they're going with Kate Kane, and they're making a point to get an out actress for this. This is on top of over in Supergirl, where they have Nia Nall, and they cast an, um, a, an openly trans actress, Nicole Maines, for the role. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like the network isn't making strides, but... For some reason, it seems like a lot of people were expecting the network to cater to their very specific wants. And this is on top of Charmed, where they completely recast and rebooted the show with four wem- uh, th- three women of Latinx origin, and one of them is also a lesbian. Yeah. You know, so it's not like we're, they're not even giving us anything. And that's, I think, where I'm kind of getting angry here because it feels like there's a very 
I don't want to say dangerous, but worrying level of entitlement. It's not just entitlement. I feel like, okay, so the, a part of it is entitlement, but there's another, there's like a couple of other factors. One of them I feel is that we are used to conducting our discourse in a way that revolves around us not having anywhere else to go. The reason why the Glee discourse was the way it was is because there was literally no other show on television that had a canon lesbian couple like that at the time. That was mm. age appropriate for people under 40. Right, but now we have, you know, Black Lightning has character, um, the bold type has characters, even if, I mean, how good they are is up for debate. Winona Earp, we've got Supergirl, we've got um, Jane the Virgin has uh, WLW characters. I mean, there's a They're lot. Literally, it's still a very white canvas, you know, fully yes. admit that, and that's something that needs to improve. But, you know, like, I love that I don't have to watch Winona Earp because I have other shows I can watch. That is not something that I am used to. Because believe mm -hmm. me, I like, and really, I think any any lesbian or bi woman or any queer person really over the age of like, even like twenty five, I'd say, has has had a couple of shows that they sat through because it was the only content that they had access to. Like, how many of us would actually watch Queer as Folk and the L Word, like, if we didn't have to? <laughs> I wouldn't. Certainly not. Especially not now. Oh God, no. But the point being is, like, we can do that now because we have options. Yes. But also, like, okay, so this is, and then this is, this is where I'm going to start to get into, like, troubling waters, because I know that there are people who are not going to like what I have to say about this. But, you know, honestly, you guys deserve me to be blunt about this. There is a particular contingency of lesbian fandom that is exactly like 4chan, and the only difference between them and the 4chan raiders is that they are... They are typically white lesbians. They're not always white, but pr predominantly white cissexual lesbians. And the four channers are dudes. But, so there's a particular kind of, and this is where, here's my theory and where this comes from. There's a particular thing that happens with lesbians where we get isolated from female companionship because, you know, internalized homophobia, externalized homophobia, what have you. We tend to identify with and connect to men better. A lot of lesbians actually find camaraderie in toxic male spaces because we feel like we are men enjoy being around lesbians. Um, we feel like we're we feel like we're an exception to their sexism that we're allowed to participate in it. That we take what we we basically are doing what we don't want. We don't want them to do it to us, and so we do it to other women in order to be part of the crowd. And this is something that you see a lot with lesbians who are in high school and early college, you kind of sort of grow out of it. Most of them do. Um, but you know that there's a several high, high profile, you know, gator, it, you know, there's Gamergate, of course, and then now there's Comicsgate. You negotiate these movements exclusively with men, but there is a, there are queer equivalents of it. And one of them is the particularly militant group of lesbian fandom who aggressively come out claws bared at everything. And they often also are very transphobic and biphobic. Mm -hmm. Now, and they all congregate around a certain website, which I'm going to stop short of actually naming what that website is because I don't want to get doxxed. But 
Long story short, this particular group of toxic lesbians all came out on parade for this Ruby Rose casting announcement. And what I found interesting is how many different types of toxicity got thrown out on display. So... Okay, so I'll just I'll just start with one that just struck me as particularly fun. So apparently there is a contingency of lesbian fandom who has a serious issue with how short Kyler Lee's hair is getting because it's quote too butch. And then there's also a contingency I, I want to repeat that because it's quote too butch as like too butch like what too gay? Yeah, like too gay. Or, like, too much like a man, which I was just like, but that's ridiculous because the care cut that they gave Kyler Lee is a, she's got an undercut now. Like, that is the gay cut. My girlfriend has this cut. I'm going to be getting one soon. Like, this is just, it's, it's the, it's the cut of our people. Come on. <laughs> Anyways. As, as, asymmetrical haircuts. It's the cut of our people. But, like, I think that just struck me as so funny because, and then, uh, on the flip side, there were people who were saying, oh, like, Ruby Rose, she's too feminine. We want a genuine butch woman. And I'm just like, and it's, and, and I'm just like, you two, like, these two fan groups exist in the same space? Like, it's, it's just really funny to me that, like, they can't, that, like, there seems to be this contingency of people who can't decide whether Ruby Rose is too butch or not butch enough. But Alex is too butch. But yeah, Alex is apparently. too butch, yeah. Yeah, apparently Alex is too butch. And that's just, like... That kind of astounded me. And then there was also the whole, um, because Ruby Rose is genderqueer, she apparently cannot play a lesbian. Which, oh, that's a can of worms. That's a transphobic can of worms. Which, like, okay. So, I'm trying to think of how exactly I can, can phrase this. It is So, when a... you say the word... Go ahead. When you say the word lesbian, the word... Okay, so the word lesbian describes how your attraction works to other people. Uh, and this is the reason... This is sort of like how... Uh, at first I was a little bit iffy about non-binary people using the phrase, but then I thought about it. I was like, no, actually, this makes sense. So if you have a non-binary person, and they say that they're a lesbian, it's usually associated with some... In some way, or, some way with how they present themselves, and also how they perceive themselves... But really what they're telling you is, I am attracted only to women. Only to other women. Which also gives you a clue in that they probably perceive themselves as having some feminine traits. But that's all it means. Like, you could nitpick it, but ultimately I feel like the word the word is just fine for the purpose that it serves. But apparently this is this is not good enough for a lot of people. So there are a lot of people who said, like, it should have been explicitly a lesbian cast, which, like, I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting real frustrated about how, how divisive this whole it conversation feels like has gotten. we're gatekeeping for our own community. And exactly. again, I know, like, I'm the bisexual woman over here saying this, and let's, you know, not getting into rampant biphobia that I think also runs in these same circles. I mean, like, that... It absolutely does. The uh, site that shall not be named because we don't want to be doxxed, um, I decided to boldly go exploring to see how bad the biphobia was on there. Within two pages, I had a handful of screen caps that I sent Elizabeth. I was like, well... And it was ranging from 
you know, calling bisexual women by sluts, saying, you know, they hope bisexual women choke on a dick, saying bisexual woman, women ruined dating for all lesbians. Um, yeah. So, and we covered, we've covered in other episodes, like, what causes yeah. this particular phenomenon. So you is- can imagine, then, the extension that that turns over into um, trans women and... Um, genderqueer persons. And I'm not going to repeat that there because I feel comfortable saying stuff they've said about bisexuals. I don't feel comfortable repeating I'm not going to say the language. slurs, but, but it bears repeating that there was a lot of conversation about people who explicitly did not want Alex to be paired with the new trans character because, and a, because quote, she has a dick. And because they're TERFs. I didn't want them paired because Naya Nall is supposed to be younger than Kara, and I have a thing about age-appropriate relationships. How old is the actress? She's pretty young. She's, like, early 20s. She's, 21 or something. Okay. Okay. No. Kyler Lee could have babysat her when Kyler Lee was in high school. She's too young. (laughs) Yeah. What is the... Okay. What is the rule? It's half your age plus seven? Yeah. Okay. Nicole Means is 20. Okay, so so Alex is supposed to be like twenty nine thirty, so twenty two is the cutoff for Alex. Yeah, and Kyler Lay in real Lee in real life is thirty six. So there's a sixteen yeah. year age gap. And if you come down on the side of like, well, no, I don't want them together because the age difference squicks me out, that's perfectly acceptable. That's not what we're talking about camp. with the other yeah. people though. No, no. The other people were squicked out because, it not just, because one, the character, well, here's the other thing, though, is I feel like if the character were not played by a trans actress, I bet you they wouldn't have as much of a problem with it. But here's my thing, because we don't even know what Naya's sexuality is. No, we don't. We just know that she's going to be a trans superhero, because that was the important part of her character for the casting call. Right. Which, that's another thing, is, like, you know that the casting calls don't always, like, they don't always have, like, full sets of information in them. And some stuff is still undecided, I'm sure. They may not necessarily know if they're going to have a romantic interest for her character. We know that she's going to be, to some degree, Kara's protege at CatCo. That's about all we know, and we know she's going to be Dreamer. Sounds legit. Outside of that... Certain people in fandom took it upon themselves to do, oh no, what aboutism version turfy. And I'm sorry, I'm this is, you know, Elizabeth, she may be uh, getting ready to erupt over here saying, don't do it, don't do it, but turf isn't a slur. No, I'm sorry. I wasn't going to tell you not to do it. I was going to say it if you didn't. Turf is not a slur. Turf is actually a kinder term than what we could call them. TERF stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminists. They are, in fact, trans exclusionary, but they are not actually radical feminists. In fact, I'm pretty sure they never actually read any radical feminist texts or, you know, know anything about the movement. They're actually oddly evangelical in how rigid they are. But what they are is trans misogynists. Right. They're transphobic and they're trans misogynists. And we could just, you know, see, that's when when uh, people on, are getting banned on Twitter for saying turf. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll just call them what they are. They're transphobes. Pretty much. And there's, if you did like a Venn diagram between like the transphobic crowd and the biphobic crowd, it would pretty much be a perfect circle. It's a circle. Yeah, it's a circle. And this is the element that we've been working up to that we're concerned is becoming a problem. And Batwoman was just 
a taste of it. I mean, Ruby Rose left Twitter. Granted, she said she, you know, she, said she had some other she stuff she was going to work on. But, like, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Let's be um, real. Like, yeah, it's... It, it, you get an openly queer actress for a major part, and we decide it's not good enough. And then we get nasty about it. And I'm just like, at what point are the networks and film studios going to be like, why are we doing this? It is so not worth it. Honestly, the particularly militant division of the haters, as I will call them, um, they're, they're no, like, they're, the way that they write, the way that they, they launch doxing campaigns, the way that they launch raids and re- mass reporting raids, um, actually someone, someone who I follow on Twitter, her white, that someone sent, cause she was, she was like, oh, I'm excited about the Batwoman casting. Somebody sent her her wife's home address and a threat over a Batwoman casting. That is some Gamergate bullshit right there. That is some 4chan something awful bullshit. We have to be better than this. Like, we can't sink down to that level of, like, alt-righty bullshit. And I know there's... There's this whole thing about, like, well, we don't want to air our dirty laundry outside of the community. I was like, well, but the problem is, is we're not even addressing the dirty laundry in our community. The time for us to keep this hidden is gone. It has gone on too far. It is starting to affect our ability to maintain our market share within media. Because... Here's the thing. The media will still continue to push towards more queer representation because that's just, just, just the way that society is going. Uh, hopefully we'll also carry more um, more people of color into that as well. Like, society generally seems to be moving forward ever so slowly, but we're getting there. But, like, if every time they make an incremental change they get like okay so here's the difference the difference is is that when the last of us 2 had ellie blatantly kissing a girl in the trailer the e3 trailer the people who were screaming about it who are like this is social justice warrior bullshit these are this is the audience that the crowd that the developers want to ignore they don't give a shit about those people they're like well there's all these people here who want this so fuck you um, also, queer people deserve representation, and they don't usually get as much of a voice in games, and so therefore, we are making sure that they get their voice, that they get seen. Now, the problem with this militant group of lesbians who behave this way to casting announcements, announcements or behave overwhelmingly negatively to anything with queer content is that you're making it seem like the people who they're trying to help don't want their help. And you, we can't do that. We, we still need representation. You know, we have a long way to go before we get better representation for women of color or, you know, people within the queer community that are of different, you know, religious faiths. Like, we still have a long ways to go. And if we lose our GD minds every time there's casting because it doesn't cater to our just very specific whims or whoever we headcanoned for the role, like... What I would not want to do business with the group. It's not even beyond that. You can even see like, but it's it's fascinating to me because Ruby Rose is actually like very, despite having short hair and presenting like in masculine clothing, is very like traditionally feminine, sharp featured, pretty woman. Like, 
it's she's exactly what this crowd would want and so it's a little baffling that they dislike her as much as they do so either we're getting to this period where it's like someone's too femme someone's too butch I don't like that they identify this way or oh they're not this identity or oh I don't believe they're really blah 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 and what are you left with at the end of the day yeah, and it's also the implication that casting directors don't know how to do their jobs. Like, this happens every time there's sort of a slightly off-of-center casting for something. Like, okay, so here's a good example. Remember when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker and everybody lost their fucking minds because previously he had been known for rom-coms and then it became, like, one of the greatest performances in a superhero movie ever? Mm-hmm. And then remember when everyone was super thrilled that What's-His-Face was playing Lex... Jesse Eisenberg was playing Lex Luthor in Batman vs. Superman, and it sucked? Like, maybe we should learn to wait to see how things go before necessarily casting judgment on them. We need to see actual footage. We need to see, you know, well, essentially when what Gal the casting was cast for saw. Wonder Woman, everyone was like, she's a model, she's two things, she's blah, blah, blah. I... I still say you'd be hard-pressed to find an actress who loves playing her freaking character as much. I mean, she is like Ryan Reynolds' levels of happy with getting to play her character. And she's brilliant at it. But when she got cast, everyone was like, The moment that they started casting for passion, superhero movies improved, like, tenfold. Did you notice that? Mm. (laughs) There's a lot of people in, who got cast in Spider and uh, or like like Tom Holland as Spider Man. Like it just you can sense the love that these people have for the things that they're in, and that improves them. But even like I saw some interviews with Ruby Rose after the casting announcement, but before all the drama, where she was super stoked to play the part, and I'm like, that's good. She has the level of enthusiasm that I want to see from somebody who's going to play a very important role. Right. Well, it just. You never know with casting. No. And we can't know until we... And also, like, there's so many other factors that go into whether or not a show is good. Is the directing good? Is the music good? Is the music cueing good? Does the tie-in music make sense? Does the rest of the ensemble casting make sense? Is the story good? What comics are they going to be adapting? Like, we're already, like... There's so many people who are already like, this is going to be shit, and I'm like, all you know about it is the face of the person who's going to be playing the protagonist. You know nothing about how she's going to play that character. I know. and Well, getting back into what you brought up earlier, and I'm just going to throw this out there, and you can tell me yay or nay. Her casting, we have no idea how they're going to portray her Jewish identity on screen. I'm going to be, like, real blunt about this, and I know that a lot of other a lot of other Jewish lesbians disagree with me on this, but I have to say, I just don't care that much. And I think the reason why I don't care is because the way that, like, the way that Judaism influences my life is it influences my belief systems and my words and the way that I approach study and the way that I approach the universe and my own religious beliefs, but it's a very personal thing to me. And, like, mm-hmm. there's obviously the, there's the ritualistic aspect of Judaism, which is important to us, and often it's, the re- it's so important that that's the reason why you'll often see atheist Jews who still participate in all of the holidays, because the culture and the tradition is the important part, not necessarily the belief and the story behind it. Mm-hmm. But, like, even there, I just gave you two contradictory examples of what being a Jewish lesbian could be. And both of them are equally valid. And the thing is, is we don't know which one Kate Kane is going to be in this iteration. 
I hope that she is Jewish. It would be weird if they made her not Jewish. But how much effort they have to... Well, they want effort to be put into it, obviously. But how much it's demonstrably put on screen is just not that important to me. Because I, I don't know. I guess I would just feel like I was being talked down to. Mm-hmm. Because especially if they went into a lot of detail about certain holidays and stuff. Because there's... You know how it's, like, weird when you're watching, like, a cartoon, or you're watching, like, a TV show, and the TV show turns to the audience and explains to the audience something that is very obvious to the audience? Like, you see it a lot in sci-fi, where, like, there's an alien character who doesn't know what Christmas is. Right. And so then, a bunch of people who know what Christmas is explain to the people at home who are watching who know exactly what Christmas is over the next half an hour how to celebrate Christmas. And, like... It would feel, I don't know, to me it would feel a little bit like, a little bit like pandering if they had like an entire episode devoted to building a tabernacle. Like, okay, if they did, I like, I, I would be, I would be more into like small touches, like things like making jokes about playing hide the matzah and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know, there's just so many different approaches you could take to make her authentically Jewish, and I feel like people who were really aggressive about saying, like, a Jewish actress would be cast, I'm just like, I feel like you're focusing on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Also, on that note, you can't cast for a Jewish actress because there's, there is an, there are Jewish people who aren't ethnically Jewish. I am one of them. Well, what's it so called? I- Jews by choice? You convert into Judaism. Yeah, you can convert, um, you can have, or I'm part convert, but also I have this weird thing where, like, I do have Jew- Jewish lineage, except it's from an adopted family. So I'm not blood-related to these people, but they are Jewish. Mm-hmm. And then I have, like, Jewish ancestry on my, like, biological father's side. It's, like, super, that's what people are like, I was like, are you Jewish? I'm like, depends on who you ask. But also, with casting, you can't just flat out say, are you Jewish, in the interview right. process, because that's a legal minefield and you're going to get sued. Right. Right. Yep. Which they I also think or... is something that people don't understand. <laughs> I mean, you can put out a request for something. Like, you can say we would prefer this role to be played by an X person because, like, it depends on what you're casting for. But, like, you know, like, okay, so, like, for example, obviously, if you're casting... Black Panther, you're going to have to put in the ad, we're looking for for an individual African-American or black individuals. Right. Because it's set in Africa. Like, you know, duh. But there are other things that, like, you like, there's certain ways that you have to phrase it. They can't legally screen for it. Like, you, like, okay, so, like, for example, um, you can say that you, we would prefer a Jewish actor, but you can't say we'll only hire you if you're Jewish, because that's discrimination. Right. Same thing with, like, that's why, like, even though they put out the casting call for a lesbian actress, I was still genuinely surprised that they actually cast a queer person. Mm-hmm. Because the casting call is not a promise. A casting call is just we're looking for this type of person. It's the reason why I made, you know... Okay, here's another great example. It's the reason why typically the... Perf- it just works out that usually the performers I like who play autistic characters, who I feel capture it, um, they're often not autistic, but they're just the best person for the role. So there's, like, there's no real right answer to this. It's just everybody has their own feelings about it. <coughs> Anyways, um, with all that said, because there's not a lot I feel comfortable adding on to it, um, getting back to our point... 
we this somehow turned into something else to try and gatekeep for that I it feels like a lot of people kind of bandwagoned on certain people who you know had a different opinion than Elizabeth but <laughs> the people who bandwagoned on there were not necessarily Jewish and they were just using it as another method of attack in fact I remember Elizabeth I was <laughs> reading one of your Twitter correspondence, and somebody tried telling you, well, she's not Jewish, so it doesn't count, and you just responded. It was like, hey, lesbian Jew here, we're yeah, not a hive you're talking mind. to a whole Jewish lesbian, buddy. Yeah. So, it's this other thing of what people take. Like, somebody may, they may legitimately have a grievance about it, but it feels like, we look for something that may not be like, oh, here's a problematic point, and we load that on to our attack ammo. Look, here's the thing. At some point, fandom, specifically toxic fandom, that sort of burst from, from 4chan and that devolved into, you know, all of these different subsets we have now, especially this lesbian subset, at some point it became about being right. Everything is about being right. Everything is about winning. So I they don't actually say it's care. about being right. Like all of their, I think it's all about of their just talking winning. points are interchangeable. Like the second that you disprove one, they just swap in another because the talking points don't matter. They aren't arguing in good faith. They just they want, want to, win. to win the argument. It's like uh, I remember, like about a week ago on Twitter, people were talking about debating and how you can't debate with people with this certain group online because they were never debating in good faith. Exactly. And I think they're. That's it's like contingent in our own community is the same way and also like their logic works the same way that conspiracy theories work so like the um, innuendo studios who did the the series why are you so angry which is about gamergate which i rewatched it recently because i'm like this is hilariously appropriate for this particular contingency of lesbian fandom is that so the way a conspiracy theory is built is it's built upon other theories and that you it when, so when you disprove one you can just swap in another because ultimately what you're arguing is that the main theory so let's okay so imagine a table you have the tabletop and four legs so the main theory is the tabletop and then the legs are all of these other theories you have that would be proven true if the theory that makes up the tabletop is true and so Every time someone debunks a piece of the theory, they just swap in another leg, and they're like, I know that this is true. This theory has legs, because I can see them. There are legs on the table, and everyone else will look at it and say, it's just a plank of wood on the floor. Right. But So, it's getting exhausting even to just argue with them, because you start to see these same pat Like, I just... It, I'm frustrated with it because I just I see these exact same patterns, and I know that the reason why they're doing it is because it fucking works. It mm -hmm. works. Arguing in bad faith works wonders. It got the ending of Mass Effect Three changed. Arguing, but also arguing in bad faith, is it immediately puts the person they're coming after on a defensive and frames the conversation to be centered on how they want to <clears throat> argue with them, as opposed to the person, you know. I know now that if somebody comes up to me with a bunch of bad faith arguments, I'm not going to immediately start discrediting them. I'm just going to say you're full of shit and you're not worth my time and move on no matter how much they whine about it. Because I know the moment I play the game within the framework they've set up, I'm just wasting my time. 
So, people who are on the liberal end of the political spectrum, like, our wet dream is the West Wing. We love nothing more than, like, dunking on ignorant people in, like, long monologues. The thing is, though, is all that is is a pat on the back moment for us. It doesn't actually change the mind of the person we're arguing with. In fact, it makes us look like pretentious blowhards. Mm -hmm. Because we think, like... So there's a, there's a, I think it's a Nixon quote, actually, but there's a saying in politics, if you're explaining, you're losing the argument. And that is exactly how online discourse has evolved. If you are the one who's explaining yourself, the audience perceives you as being the loser, even if you are objectively right. Because the winner shouldn't have to explain themselves, their truth should be self-evident. And this is how the alt-right argues, and this is what I'm starting to see within my own communities, and it is exhausting and frustrating, and I don't know how to stop it. Which is why it goes back to when we say, oh, we don't want to air our own dirty laundry, again, it comes back to we're not even confronting our own dirty laundry. We're I think letting it's our a dirty lot of us laundry don't confront the fact that, like, yeah, we're letting them frame the entire conversation. Uh, uh, we don't want to come to terms with the fact that there are alt-right members among us. That like, the, the TERFs who moved in front of the parade in the at London Pride, that kind of freaked me out a bit, because I was just like, they're getting really bold and very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, very alt-right technique to hijack an event like that. And the way that they did it, and it's just like they're literally like pulling, they're literally like pulling pl like the the four chan playbook here. And you'll see like little pockets on Twitter talking about it here or there, but it's I've yet to see us as a community like openly acknowledging this has become a problem and we can't keep ignoring it. And I'm not saying this podcast is going to be the catalyst for us coming together to talk about the problem. That would but be pretty badass, I would, but it won't happen. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. But if we can at least open up a little bit more of a door for dialogue on this, for other people to be comfortable and be like, oh my god, you're right, I've noticed this too, and, you know, feel like you can say this to other people and not be, like, a bad LGBT person, then I think we've done our job. Yeah, and especially since we have, you know, and this, this is starting to affect the real world, too, because we have things like like gatekeeping within lesbian communities who are people who will outright exclude trans individuals from these spaces, or, like... Become violent, even. Yeah, they become violent with them. Or, you know, like I said, you know, it's something that kind of... I sort of understated it when I talked about it at first, but, like, yeah, someone who I follow on Twitter got had their had their wife's address sent to them with a threat over a batwoman casting We're and it was essentially saying... from one lesbian to another and that's just like really astounding to me because i thought we were better than that we're just saying that it's time we wake up and realize that the call is coming from within the house yes the call is coming from inside the house we are our own worst enemy and we can't keep ignoring it you know, obviously Batwoman is just one example. That's the example we wanted to use to kind of open this discussion up. Um, you know, and this isn't even talking about touching on, like, racism within our community, which that's an entirely different episode. I actually even said, I had put in my notes for this episode that this may end up turning into a series as I do more research. Mm-hmm. 
because um, I feel like I feel like this actually warrants more research. So just to actually start looking into how this community is developing, because you know it was one thing, like and even like. Okay, so I remember during the first Quexicon, I remember Corey was on this particular site and she was texting me like what the bitter what the bitter people who couldn't go to Quexicon were saying on this website. And like a lot of it was like sort of shockingly biphobic, transphobic, and even like weirdly homophobic. Like it was just funny. Yeah, but like, but that was even like a couple of years ago, and like at the time, Corey and I were both just like we're just like laughing at it, like oh this is so funny, like aren't these people ridiculous? And this is, and then I'm realizing that this is sort of like the same thing that we did with 4chan, and you know that sort of that sort of environment is where we looked at these guys who used to do things like you know form swastikas with Afro black characters and have a hotel and stuff like that. We looked at them and like oh isn't this just like a bunch of immature BS? Like they're not actually a threat. And then they held the Nazi rally in Charlottesville and killed somebody by running over them with the car. And that's kind of the whole reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I see trouble on the horizon and I don't want this to keep escalating. Because this is also, the same type of behavior. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is. And also, we're starting to run out of time. Uh, you can probably expect at least one more installment of this. Yes. Um, but, you know, we do want to hear your thoughts on this, even if, you know, we, we allow for perfectly anonymous commenting on our site. If you aren't comfortable, like attaching your name to it, or if you have stories about that and you don't want to put your name on it, like we have anonymous commenting, feel free to let us know your thoughts on this. Um, on a more positive note, we do want to thank all of our Fundamentals Plus supporters, um, you guys help us keep our site open. I know I'm doing a hard left turn here, but we're running out of time. That's okay. <laughs> we're guys, at the end of the episode. Yeah, you guys do help us keep our site open, and we do greatly appreciate you. Um, if you are not a Fundamentals Plus member, you can sign up up at the top menu. There's a little FM Plus. You can click that link. It'll take you for your sign up, and you get access to exclusive content on our site as well as discounts in our site store. And while you're browsing around, don't forget to check out our other podcasts, uh, The Fundamentalists, Unabashed Book Snobbery, Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics, and we have a new one, uh, Right to Survive, that has uh, more of a writing bent that just debuted last week and has some interviews and some interesting topics on there as well. So give those a check out and also, you know, like us on iTunes. We're also on Spotify, on Spotify now. Yeah, we're on Spotify now. So you can look us up on Spotify as well and subscribe to us there. So, yeah, we're everywhere. We're taking over. <laughs> we're becoming a successful company that can be taken seriously. We're very excited. Yes. But that's all the time we have for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. See you next time.